Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, it is February, and as you all know, the 14th is Valentine's Day, and more important than chocolate, it symbolizes our hearts. So today our show is all about having a healthy heart. But before I speak with two, my two very stellar guests, I want to bring on someone close to my heart, and that is my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Hi, Jane. <laughs> you knew, you knew I'd, have, I'd have something to say about the heart here. You know, right? Somehow, I thought you'd fit it in. <laughs> I'd, I'd fit it in, right? So speaking of something that is also close to my heart, <clears throat> that's my new book, Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. I'm actually having a, a signing on February 24th at Barnes & Noble here in New York City, if anyone wants to join us. Um, and I'm really very happy uh, because it gives me the opportunity to share the tips and tools on how we can look and, more importantly, feel better than before. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is throughout the book, I talk about my husband, the lawyer. And as you know, Lori, I'm very concerned about his heart as he has coronary artery disease. And it really took his having a heart attack to realize that genetics may load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. And that means no more Cinnabons on the way down to DC. Uh, and, and someone very important who has really made an impact on his, on his life and on his health is Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum. And she is going to be with us right after the break to talk about how we can all live a heart-centered life. But first, we have a very special guest. It is my great pleasure to bring on someone who is known by all. She is Star Jones, who you probably recognize from her time as co-host on The View and as NBC News legal correspondent and analyst. But what Star is very passionate about and what she advocates for is women's heart health. And as a heart heart disease survivor and heart American Heart Association's Go Red for Women volunteer. She's with us today to talk about her personal story and why she's encouraging other women to make their heart health a priority. Welcome to the show, Star. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm even happier to be here doing Heart Health Month. Every opportunity I get to use every platform I have to advocate for heart health is a day that we save lives. So I'm glad to be here with you. You know, and and I was we were talking about it. I was talking about it to Lori. The the figures from the American Heart Association they're really scary. Forty four million women in the U S. have some sort of heart disease, and, and they die from it more than all forms of cancer combined. And that to me is is very very scary. Um, now I understand. Most people don't realize that. Most people don't realize that. I can tell you, Jane, heart disease is indeed the number one killer of all Americans the number one killer of African-Americans, and the number one killer of women. So that makes me three for three. So um, this is extremely personal to me. Now, you had a little, you had an issue. You had open heart surgery several years ago to repair an aortic valve, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny to hear anybody say, you had a little procedure, girl. No, it's not a little procedure. No, no, no. You had a big procedure. (laughs) They cracked my chest open and took my heart out of my body. And I'm talking that real full-blown lobster kind of open-heart surgery. Um, My heart was actually stopped for 22 minutes, and the machine kept me alive. My grandmother gets mad at me whenever I say that. She says, no, God kept you alive. The machine um, were being powered by God. So I have to agree with her on that one. But I have to tell you, if I take you back a little bit, um, it was late 2009, and I was experiencing some really weird symptoms. I, I mean, my job is to always make it user-friendly. So I'll tell you the truth. I didn't feel good. And I had really gotten my health in order. Um, most people who had watched me over the years on television, they know that I was obese or morbidly obese for pretty much my adult life. And I made the decision in 2003 
to save my own life and uh, to get control of my weight. And I had weight loss surgery. And with the help of weight loss surgery and a change of lifestyle, I lost about 160 pounds. And in 2009, I had kept the weight off consistently. um, And I found myself experiencing some really unnerving symptoms. I was tired, um, not not just the tired that women experience because our lives are busy, but really fatigued. Um, I was experiencing some shortness of breath as well as frequent and intense heart palpitations, like someone was punching me in the chest constantly. And then I would get lightheaded if I went from sitting to standing too quickly. Um, and I knew that this wasn't right. I knew that it didn't feel good. And I'm very in tune with my body. So um, at the encouragement of um, uh, a dear friend, he said, you need to go and see the cardiologist. And I went to see my cardiologist, and um, my life changed for all practical purposes. Yeah. You know, I was reading an interview that you had said, and uh, you just mentioned you got lightheaded if you went from sitting to standing, and you said it wasn't like George Clooney or Denzel Washington had just walked by. <laughs> so, That's uh, the truth. You know, because, I mean, I, I forgive women when that happens. Yeah, exactly. right. I forgive you when that happens. But that didn't make sense to me. And it, um, it just, you know, when you're in tune with your body, you know something is wrong. And um, so when I when I showed up at the cardiologist's office now, because I really want your listeners to understand, I did not have a cardiac incident, meaning I didn't have a heart attack. I wasn't rushed to the hospital. It's not what you see on television. Um, it was no EMS. I actually arrived um, in January in a fur coat and some six-inch Jimmy Choo boots. And I showed up, lashes and all. Because I thought, let me go and find out what the doctor's going to say, and then I'm going to go to my lunch at Michael's. I mean, I was living my life. And I walked in. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I walked in, and Dr. Fuster started with the EKGs, and then it moved to the echocardiogram. And literally, because it's not supposed to work this way, you know, uh, um, a, a radiologist is supposed to be reading the echocardiogram, and uh, come back out and give uh, the doctor the information, and then, you know, you go and put your, your clothes on, change out of that gown, and they talk to you. Well, the doctor came into where the echocardiogram was given and said, um, I'm going to need to do some additional tests. I really think there's some fluid around your heart, and I want to have that fluid removed. So you're going to have to have it in a cath lab. Well, I've had that procedure before. So I wasn't overly concerned. And I said, I just think of me with the arrogance. I said, so I'll tell you what, I have this lunch, and then we can schedule it for later in the week. And he said, no, honey, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be going to a lunch. You're going to be going up to the cath lab right now. I said, right now? Are you kidding me? Um, I said, listen, but I have a lunch meeting. He said, no. You're going to the cath lab. I said, so, okay, so where is it? Let me get my clothes. And he goes, we're going to put you in a wheelchair. And it got scary right then because he didn't want me walking to the cath lab. I knew something was up. And um, so what what, uh, hour and a half procedure turned into two days in the hospital for extensive testing and and let me, as an aside, just say – I am a huge advocate for the Affordable Care Act, as is the American Heart Association, and the reason why is because I had two days of preventive testing, okay? They wanted to find out what was going on with me, and it was because of resources and insurance that I was able to have that. They didn't rush me out of the hospital. They didn't tell me I was suffering from anxiety. They wanted to find out what was going on, and after two days, we found there were a myriad of things going on with my cardiovascular system. Uh, We discovered that I had a genetic disorder, a subaortic membrane. Um, I had uh, aortic valve malfunction, which was probably attributable to years and years of my heart having to work harder because of obesity and a sedentary lifestyle. Um, And because of that, it had made my heart thicker than it should be. So it was working overtime, and there was stress. 
I was told that I needed full blown open heart surgery. And you know, I'm I I'm I was a news journalist, so of course my thought is, okay, so we're gonna do that new kind where you go underneath the armpit and stuff, right? I'll probably end up doing a TV uh, right, I'll be special out for, about it. For, in time for and, lunch at Michael's. They still held your table. Exactly. <laughs> I looked up and the doctor said to me, uh, no, I don't think so. We need to do the, the cracking of the chest kind. I wait, wait, hold up. The cracking of the chest kind. It was just overwhelming, Jane. I mean, really overwhelming. And I did what any self-respecting girl with a valid credit card would do. I got on a plane and went to the Caribbean and literally put my head in the sand. I said, "Mm mm-mm. I am, I'm off. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I said, I'm out. I'm out. Nope. I'm out. And whenever I tell um, other women my story, I I really tell the truth because it's not helpful if I don't tell you the God's honest truth. And I say, I went to the Caribbean because they don't have heart disease there. They have shirtless men and champagne and parties. And that's where I was going. Oh, so you left the hospital? You didn't, you Honey, didn't have I left the hospital. I didn't have anything. I left the hospital, and I went on what was my annual girls' trip, which, by the way, I just came back from um, from it again this year. And then, though, instead of sitting around and just having a great time, my girlfriends did an intervention on me, and they said, you're absolutely taking your butt back to New York, and you're dealing with this. And then, of course, the Star Jones-ness kicked in. And I took it very seriously. Uh, the fact that one of my best friends happens to be my internist, Dr. Holly Phillips, and she went along with me to the hospital. And I'll never forget, she said to me, Star, I'm going to make them convince me that you need to have full-blown open-heart surgery, not to worry. So I walked in all big and bad thinking I got an advocate with me. Baby, they passed those numbers across the table to her. She, she said, said, you are having this damn <laughs> surgery immediately. As you I strode into your Jimmy's shoes. That's too I mean, when I tell you, she just really put me in my place. I was like, you're supposed to be here for me. She said, yeah, and you're I having am. this. Oh, my and goodness. And I can tell you that um, Dr. Fooster, the brilliant Dr. Fooster, one of the best cardiologists in the world, if not the best, he started to lay out a game plan, and I think something kicked in right then and there. I said, you know what? If I've got to do this, then I'm going to do it in a way that uh, I'm going to learn from it. So I started absorbing everything I could about heart disease. Um, I think I innately knew that right then and there I was going to change the face of heart disease. I was going to embrace it, and I was not going to be a victim. I was going to be a survivor, and that's what I did. I planned for open heart surgery because we were told um, we were going to try to do an aortic valve repair and if in fact the repair was not available or I didn't do it within the next year, I would need an aortic valve replacement and if I didn't do that within the, the next year to three years, I would ultimately need a heart transplant. And those words scared me like nobody's business um, and I've said this many times. Anybody who tells you when they get that kind of diagnosis that they're not scared, they're lying. I was terrified. It's yeah. frightening beyond belief to know that for a time your heart's going to stop and that you have to rely on technology and skills to bring that heart back. Um, and thank God um, I uh, was in the hospital for six days. I walked out in six days. No infection, no complications. My heart was stopped for 22 minutes, and I walked out, and in three weeks, I started cardiac rehabilitation, and three months after that, I was able to actually walk the 20 blocks back home after having done a sub-maximum workout. I am the face of heart disease, but I'm a heart disease survivor, not a victim. Right. I, I do. I want to backtrack. I take it back. It was a huge procedure you had. I wasn't making light of it. Believe me. My goodness. I had no idea. I, I didn't realize it was quite that involved. And I, I, I know, too, that you changed what you thought about heart disease. You said at one point was an old white dude's disease. You know, younger well, people just never well, got that's it. Because, 
But Jane, think about what we used to see on oh. television. Um, the commercials, whenever they would talk about heart awareness or heart health awareness, it would be old white guys. It would be Regis Philbin, old white guy. It would be David Letterman, old white guy. It would be Bill Clinton. I love him, but old white guy. Mm-hmm. And it would it would be you know Larry King, really old white guy. Bless <laughs> his heart. I mean, that's who you would see. Um, and 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 it's not to take anything away from the men who are affected by heart disease, but women just didn't see themselves. And if you don't see yourself then you're not aware. And if you're not aware, then you don't take precautions. If you don't take precautions, you die. And I love the fact that you started out by talking about your own husband and the fact that he, um, you know, uh, has cardiovascular disease and some parts of it may be genetic. But I can tell you, as the National Volunteer for the American Heart Association, 80% of all heart disease is avoidable because of lifestyle changes. And if we can just make those changes, small things like not smoking, eating less, moving more, knowing your numbers, and I'm talking your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your BMI, small incremental changes, you can save your own life. That that is so true, and and you know, t- talking about stress, which is a which is a big one. I think stress is is worse than eating a, a cronut, basically. Um, I think that, and, and you know, watching you star and and live TV, I've seen you when you were um, you did the sub for Larry King. You were brilliant. And, you know, I've seen you on the, the View. Obviously, I saw you on Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> Talk about stress <laughs> dealing with Donald Trump. And, and by uh, the way, and I did, I did, I did that six months after open heart surgery on purpose to play for the American Heart Association so that I could raise awareness on a big, major network primetime platform. That's the first time anybody ever did that. And we raised so much money. I raised 175000 on the first challenge, and then I doubled it before it aired, $350,000 as an African-American woman bring that level of heart health awareness to the country as a front burner issue is literally my life's passion. It's what God put me on this earth to do. You often do and I am positive of my purpose. I was kept alive because I got a big old mouth and a big old platform and that's my job. Yeah, you're getting the word out, which is wonderful. But how do you deal with stress? Stress is a big one, as we said. How how do you deal with a live television stress, being out there in front of people and giving speeches and, you know, being Star Jones? It's it's you know, your 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 the image that you portray, I mean you you we all know you. <laughs> so what how do you deal with the stress of living day to day? You know what is so funny? Because I was asked recently what was my best piece of um, professional advice that I ever received. And that advice actually came from Oprah Winfrey many years ago. And she said, Star, stand in the space God has created for you. And I'm not sure that I completely understood what she meant, but I absolutely know what she meant right now. Um, I don't get stressed on doing the things that I know I'm meant to do. And I'm now, because of um, the open heart surgery, I don't get stressed on pretty much anything. I've removed all toxicness from my life. Everything around me is happy. I mean, and yes, sometimes work gets on my nerves. Sometimes friends tick me off. Um, But I surround myself by things that make me feel good. I have an amazing relationship. I'm happy with my family. I I work in a job that may be stressful, but I get a reward every single day. Yesterday, oh, I was tired beyond belief. And the people at the work, they got on my nerves. And it was enough for me. I went home. I actually went to bed at 730. I said, I need to sleep. And then something inspired me. At about 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke straight up. And then I got on the computer and I started drafting a proposal for a new initiative. I called one of my colleagues. We took a meeting at 9 o'clock this morning. By 10.30 this morning, I had a new initiative put in place for our company. And 
my adrenaline was flowing like nobody's business. So every day I look at it as a blessing and a challenge to do something new, to do something different. And and I'm never going to allow anybody to take that joy away from me because I'm alive. You know, once you've had your heart taken out of your body and they put it in a little silver dish on ice and then they got to put it back in, connect it, and then jump start it with the paddle, very little gets to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I know completely because my husband, after this heart attack, he, you know, I think when you face mortality, you have a very different view of life after. 100%. And the little things that bothered you don't bother you anymore. You know, I think it, it really makes a, no, a huge, huge difference. You know, I've gone through what you've gone through. Nothing will bother you anymore. You can miss that lunch at Michael's. Hey, it's a lunch. Right? <laughs> and, and I used to freak out if I was late for something. I'd be like, yeah, girl, I will get there. Bless your heart. I'm trying to be on time. But I'm not going to get into a car accident because of it, you know. Um, nothing, nothing stresses me right now. I just find joy in life. Um, I have a, um, you know, part of my, uh, therapy after open heart surgery, you, you can imagine there are a number of pharmaceuticals that are prescribed and I'm very grateful to the American Heart Association for the science and the research that they have done, um, in order to help with, um, the aftermath of a cardiovascular incident. But, I'm not the kind of person that wants to be on uh, pharmaceuticals the rest of my life if not necessary. And so we explored all kinds of options. And one of the options was um, to use my uh, loved, my beloved dog. I have a little pinky um, and use her as a service animal to help um, with blood pressure maintenance. And I had done a lot of research on um, using animals for uh, calming effects um, after heart surgery. And I have to tell you, that has been amazing for me. The fact that um, it's, it'll be six years in March since my open heart surgery, and I don't take daily medication. I take a, a baby aspirin a day, which is something that is recommended, and I think it's probably recommended for most of us in in America now, but I don't have to take the beta blockers every day. I'm, my doctor insists that I keep them with me in case of any emergencies, but I don't have to take them every day, and that's sort of unheard of, and it's because I've reduced the stress in my life. I've made the changes to eat healthier, and I get my exercise. Um, I, I, you know I, I was waiting for my car to be fixed today, so I took myself to lunch. And instead of making poor choices, I, uh, I had a piece of grilled fish and sautéed spinach for lunch. That sounds good. Um, and nope, nope, nobody's, nobody's looking at me. Nobody's judging me. I'm not, right. uh, it's not like I had a TV show that was filming me. Mm-hmm. I made that choice because I know that's a healthy choice. Yeah, well, that's it. Like my husband. And I no know more, that, will, no more that, that will save me. And that's yeah, I mean, I don't even know how anybody can eat that, baby. Right? You probably that's before you probably you did. Says, now you I'm now like, you no, can. I he could, used to well, every every rest stop by heart. He knew it was the Cinnabon place. You know, if you didn't let him stop, he would like say he drive like three hundred miles an hour. Well, I'm going to drive quickly and, unless I can stop for a Cinnabon. You know, this is when we're going on I ninety five. No, no. Okay, stop, stop. Like, no, um, no more, so, no more Cinnabons, no more Cinnabons. Star, let's talk about the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women movement. That's so important. Absolutely. And they do encourage, which I think is really important, that wellness, well-woman visit, which I think is is wonderful because it's all about prevention, not only dealing with it once you've had it, but how to prevent it. 100%. What's unique about our well-woman visit um, initiative, it's really an opportunity for a patient and a doctor to have a candid discussion about lifestyle decisions, family history, and any potential concerns that could impact your health. It really and truly allows you and your doctor the chance to sort of step in before it's too late. And I have a, it's not a trick, but it's it's what has become my methodology for my well woman visit or my WWV as I like to call it, is I do it as a celebration of my birthday every year. You know, the week between my open heart surgery and my birthday is always a very reflective time for me. I had the surgery on March 17th, and my birthday is March 24th. So in those seven days, 
I do all of um, my checkups for the year. I do my well woman visits. I go and I make sure that I have a mammogram and I have all of the gynecological work that is done. I have my eyes checked. And it's not because anything is going on. It's not because anything's wrong. I'm not sick. I actually am celebrating life because it's around my birthday, so it's a happy time. So I'm planning birthday parties or I'm planning dinners or I'm planning a trip. So in that week, I always am excited to go and take care of my health. And the reason why, and I always say this to women, you're worth it. You're worth saving your own life. So that's the way I treat the well woman visit. And if you look at it as not as a chore for something for you should do, it's something you look forward to every year because that's when you're going to get the validation that you've been doing everything right to save your own life. Very, very, very well said. Now, can we all get involved in the Go Red for Women movement? Can the audience get involved? How do we get involved? Oh, absolutely. The thing that I love about the Go Red movement is anybody can be a part of Go Red. Uh, The focus is on women, and uh, you go to heart.org, H-E-A-R-T dot O-R-G, and it has every bit of information that you need in there to lead you to a healthy, heart-healthy life. You can learn about what activities are going on in your own neighborhoods, in your own communities. You can find out if there's a Go Red luncheon or a Go Red fashion show. You can find very heart-healthy dishes that you can prepare for your family. You can get exercises at heart.org so that you can help with your heart health with physical movement. You also can get access to um, the AHA Simple 7, Life Simple 7s, which outlines seven modifiable risk factors for heart disease. And it's a great place to start as you schedule your well woman visit with your doctor. Um, The number one thing I want to say to you for a woman that will help save your life is to schedule that well woman visit. Um, uh, Insurance pays for um, the vast majority of well woman visits. However, you're not supposed to wait until you need help. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to go just because it's a part of your lifestyle. And those are the words that you use. Those are the key words um, so that your insurance can cover it. You're going for your well woman visit. Yes, and Dr. Steinbaum will be on the next segment, and I will schedule it right on the air. <laughs> so I know there she's going she, to take me right in. So, Star, in the in the uh, very little time we have left, if we are going to take one Star Jones tip that we can put on our night table and in our car and on our refrigerator, what would you like to leave us with? Um, it's not an all-white disease, ladies. Heart disease looks like me. It looks like you. Heart disease looks like every woman, African-American, Hispanic, young, old, straight, gay. In America, heart disease does not discriminate. And you deserve to save your own life. I always say she who has health has hope. And she who has hope has everything. Put the hope back in your life and take care of your heart health. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring all of us, and God bless you, and I'm so happy that all is well for you now. And, and looking Thank at you, 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 so look, much. you look fantastic. I've watched your transformation over the years, and my heavens, you look amazing. <laughs> just, I just want to say that. And so. I feel better. I feel better than I look. So and you feel better, better than before. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again, Star, for being with us. Everyone, you're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be back with Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum after this break. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. 
You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before, at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and Better Than Before. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm here with Lori, my producer, as always. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce you all to Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum. She is a world-renowned cardiologist, a best-selling author. Her latest book is Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum's Heart Book, Every Woman's Guide to a Healthy Heart, which is a must-read. She is a national spokesperson for the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women and director of Women's Heart Health of Lenox Hill Hospital here in New York City. She is also a New York Times super doctor with good reason, and she's probably the most beautiful doctor anybody could ever meet. Um, Every time I see her, she looks as if she just stepped off the cover of Vogue. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Dr. Steinbaum. Thanks so much for being with us. (laughs) I'm always so impressed. I mean, my goodness. Every time I see you, it's like a hoodie and sweatpants, and you're there with this. um, Anyway. (laughs) I always uh, say it must be that my mother took my Barbie dolls away too soon, so I just started (laughs) using myself. That's my excuse. So, well, I am thrilled that you're here. I said in the intro, and I have to repeat, that my husband is a patient of yours, and you were the only doctor who has ever gotten him to forego Cinnabons and lose a total of 32 pounds. And all my nagging in the world never did that. And you know that because I sent you these these before. (laughs) Suzanne, help, help. (laughs) She's eating mayonnaise. And I get it, Lori, I get this this note back. Mayonnaise is the devil, right? And I kind of forward it to him and he goes, oh, I don't believe she said that. That's from you. So, <laughs> no. it, You know, you got to give him a lot of credit too. I mean, he has put his mind to it and he's really come such a long way. You know, I think you have to go through what he did and he actually had a he had a heart attack in june as you as you well know it it, it wasn't uh it wasn't a scare it was an actual he confronted his mortality and i think that really made him realize that mm, you know what maybe it's not worth eating a double bacon cheeseburger today so you know sometimes you have to go through that before he only had scares and now it really was something and so i think it really scared him enough to say i don't want to do this again Right. I, I, I think that's true. And one of the most passionate pieces to, to what I'm trying to do is get people to understand that you can really prevent this from happening to you about 80% of the time. Not everybody, but 80% of the time there's something that you can do. And why wait for the big one? You know, every day should be a little scare if you're getting on the scale and it's going in the wrong direction. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, absolutely it's and, and you know i was i was looking at the figures from the american heart association and they're really scary and you know i'm a hypochondriac so i would look at those things you know, thinking wait why don't three people have it now if I, I i don't know the other two so i might be the one but 42 million women i'm not sure hopefully i got this number right in the u.s have some form of heart disease and they die of that more than all forms of cancer combined and and it the cardio cardiovascular disease I guess and stroke it's uh, one in three women die each year and that's like one in um, one woman every eighty seconds something like that which is scary I mean I find that to be frightening why why is this do we not take good enough care of ourselves or is this all genetic which no, we know it is. there there is really multiple reasons and I got to tell you it's forty four million women in the United oh, wow. States. But you got it right. It's one in three women, one woman every 80 seconds. And why that reason is multifold. And the first one is partially why we're, we're talking about it. It's an awareness situation. I think every woman really understands that it's so important for her to get a mammogram and, and really be screened for breast cancer. But women haven't embraced and owned this whole heart disease issue the same way they've had for breast cancer. And I really 
try to tell all women, as much as we plan our mammograms, we need to plan our heart checks because heart disease is really her greatest health threat. So empowerment and education, knowing your risk factors, getting your blood pressure checked. In the American Heart Association, we're talking about the well woman visit. And that's really following up and knowing your numbers. The next issue is that a lot of the times women present really differently than men. Mm -hmm. And this is a really challenging piece to this. It's not the chest pain, but it's more often shortness of breath, a little more subtle, nausea, back pain, jaw pain, vomiting. And it's not that clutching chest pain that we often see in men. And they often present a little bit later, so they're a little bit sicker because women tend to sort of blow it off and say, I'm fine, I'm going to be fine, I don't need to go. Right, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I think that we need to understand that it might not be obvious, but it's worth getting checked. And when going to the emergency room sometimes or going to your doctor, sometimes it's just so hard to figure out what it is and that it actually is her heart. And the last piece is that we're just catching up with the research. And it was in 1984 that we really saw heart disease surpass men as being the number one killer for women. And the decades prior to that, the research really wasn't done on women's hearts. And until last week, we did not have a clinical statement about the implications of women in heart disease. So it's a relatively new scientific field that we're understanding more and more each day. Now, is it when you talk about women having heart disease, though, I mean, do they, we kind of take care of ourselves and, and hopefully, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but, but, you know, we exercise and we, we know what to eat now, but is it that, again, we just ignore the symptoms and they just get worse and they do end up in a heart attack? Or are we more prone, like genetically, to have heart issues? Well, I think we do take care of ourselves, but on our terms. I think that we take care of ourselves on the checklist, like, okay, worked out, okay, ate right. But when it comes down to it, it's always part of a juggling act and and a checklist. And You know, a lot of times we ignore things and don't get checked. We don't go to the doctor. We'll put everyone else first Mm -hmm. before ourselves. Women are not more genetically predisposed to heart disease, but when they get heart disease, they do much, much worse. So for women, prevention is so much more critical in certain ways because the outcomes when heart disease is established in women is not as cut and dry and is not as easy to treat as it is in men. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I know too from my mother-in-law, she went to the she went to her doctor three times and said, "Look, I'm having these weird symptoms." And you go, "Oh, no, no, no. You ate something as we said earlier. You know, you ate something. You have gas." And so they weren't even taken seriously. And she was sent home three times until she said, "Look, I something is definitely wrong with me." So again, if you go to your doctor and she says, "Oh, no, you have nothing. You know, just go home and take an anti-acid." You you basically will. So again, it's overlooked a lot. But I think now, as you said, that doctors are becoming more aware that this could be a heart attack. I think that in women now, there is more of an understanding that symptoms are so unclear and can really span the spectrum of a lot of different problems that could take place in the in the chest. And so when going to the emergency room now, I tell all women, the words should be, I think I'm having a heart attack, even if you're not sure, because at least you'll get an EKG, at least there'll be an evaluation for your heart, which oftentimes there's not. Yeah, and again, they don't. That's not one of the things that they do. But sometimes, again, your heart, like with Bob, I mean, everything was normal except the heart enzymes were elevated. So sometimes you have to take it even a step further to know that it's your heart because he passed out. As we know, we know the story. We don't have to repeat it. We know so. we live the story. We, we've heard the story a million times, and you have the bragging rights from the stress test that he has a physical performance of a twenty-nine-year-old. Well, those are bragging rights, I must say. He hasn't talked about it in a while, but he, it's there. I know it's going to come out it's probably during my book signing excuse me do you have a question bob yes did you know i have the 29 uh, year old <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's put it in the form of a question please right um 
So, you know, but it, but it was tricky for him too. And again, it was the right and the left uh, coronary. Now, as far as women, again, as you just mentioned, the symptoms, it's, it, his right coronary had weird symptoms. Not like he's had left issues, which were typical, the pain, the jaw pain, the, the whole bit. But this one was so odd that he would wake up and he'd say, you know something, I thought one morning he woke up, as you know, and he said, I got it. I know exactly what the problem is. I said, oh, you know what? He goes, I have been poisoned. And I said, well, you didn't drink the arsenic that I put in your orange juice. So I can't imagine. <laughs> could have happened. I and tried. Said, Who could have wanted to poison you? But, you know, it was weird. His toes hurt, his head hurt. I mean, these two weird symptoms. And he was taking antacids, you know, like, and it's, like, it's not doing any good. Um, but, you know, I guess that the, the, the net net is that you should, again, see the doctor and say, look, you know, my symptoms are, and he's very convincing. You know, he convinced everyone, oh, it's gastritis. Definitely. I know it is. I'm sure I ate beans. I, you know, but, but you can't, you gotta, you gotta let the doctor make that decision for you. You can't you know, kind of sway them and yeah. say, I know it's not right. This is one of the really big points I've been talking about a lot, which is really communication. And women tend to sort of minimize their symptoms. This is a generalization. I know that, but I got to tell you what happens. Women often say, you know, I, it might be in my head or I might be anxious. I haven't really slept. There's a lot going on, but, and men will come in and give every excuse in the book. I ate, I ate this. I have reflux. I know what it is. And what I tell everybody because the styles of communication are a little different, but the message is that you're not telling exactly what the symptoms are. All you have to do is explain the symptoms so the doctor really can go through it and think through it logically. Is this your heart? Is this possibly your heart? And with women, it is, it is the most concerning when they say, you know what, it's probably stress. Because then in the doctor's mind, the first thing that he or she thinks of is, it's probably stress. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want that to happen. You want to go in there and say, this is my problem. These are my symptoms and really get an evaluation based on those objective or the subjective explanations. So the doctor could objectively look for what the problem is. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, I, I know that if anything were to God forbid happen to my heart, I'd say, oh my goodness, I, I, I don't even want to, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have my wellness woman visit Dr. Steinbeck. I know Look for I me. was just thinking you, that. Too. You don't even want me. No, trust <laughs> me. You don't want me as a patient. No, 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 no. No, you think you're bad with Bob when I text you and email you. Wait till you wait <laughs> till I'm your actual patient. Really, you know, I had my hip done every five minutes. I'm calling, you know, over to the to, to uh, NYU joint. You know, did he ever lose someone on the table? No. Did he ever he cut a oh, femoral yeah. artery? No. Mm-hmm. And finally, they took all their phones off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as, as you know, Dr. Steinbaum, at the slightest symptom, even let's say chapped lips, I immediately leap to the conclusion that that can lead to a heart transplant. You know, not too many Ooh, people have actually yes. died of chapped lips, I know, but you know what I mean. So, But I have to tell you that I think that fear, that by the way, you're not alone, mm-hmm. it really prevents us from getting prevention. You know, when we were too afraid to go because we're too afraid to find out, then we can't prevent it from getting worse or for, for actually leading to heart disease. You know, if we know the blood pressure is up and the cholesterol is up early on and you can get around your fear, then you can actually do something before the problem becomes a problem. I have a little cuff that I take my blood pressure every morning. Oh, no. Every five minutes. Right? <laughs> I'm due for a check. Excuse me. Oh, no. I tried to get you to take my blood pressure in your office, but you wouldn't hear of it. You know, I have to be a patient. You can't just do, you can't just take me to my blood pressure in a quick cardiac. This is not effect. a screening. <laughs> you need to come in. It doesn't work like that way. You don't do the spouses along with the actual patient, right? I would gladly check your blood pressure. You need to come in for your well-woman visit. I will. You've convinced me. I will, definitely. I will, I will. But, you know, this all brings us to the bigger picture. And, and you know, as you were so helpful, as we talked about to Bob, today with managed health care, doctors don't have time or make time to discuss lifestyle. You know, they have, what, 15 minutes. You are so different in that you spend so much time 
with your patients talking about that. It's not only about tests and medications. I mean, that's important, obviously, but it's all about, you know, how they take care of themselves. It's, it's wellness, it's diet, it's exercise, it's stress management. There's so much more than just finding out what's wrong. You, gotta, you could prevent it, and then even if you have it, you don't want it to happen again, and you want to recover very quickly. So starting with diet, you say in your book, Every Woman's Guide to a Healthy Heart, that paying attention to your diet on a daily basis is one of the cornerstones of keeping your heart healthy. Why is that? It's amazing how we can look at our lifestyles and how it could be so detrimental to our well-being. Mm-hmm. or how it could really sustain us to be vital and healthy. And when you look at your food choices, food can be so powerful in actually decreasing cholesterol. It can increase the good cholesterol. It could stabilize your sugars. It could decrease your blood pressure. And that's just from the food that you put in your mouth. I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, one of the most important things is to have a really healthy relationship with food because so many of us look at food as a crutch when we're stressed we stress eat or sad we'll eat or lonely we'll eat that it's it's something that we use not necessarily to sustain us or nurture us but as a crutch and in changing your relationship you stop really having to focus on is this healthy is this not healthy how many calories can i have this it becomes a different conversation and it's more about what can I eat to make me feel healthy and good because really your food is is all about and should be all about nourishment and sustainment. And it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. You can't exactly. just, you can't go on a drastic, you know how, the, how, how drastic the diet and how tasteless the food, you know that on day three, you're going to go berserk, eat everything in the house, gain back the two pounds you lost plus 10 pounds more. So that's not what we're aiming for, right? It's got to be a lifestyle decision, change I, your life. I agree. It's never about a diet. If you go on a diet, you definitely are going to come off a diet because a diet is overwhelming, restrictive, and all you can think about is food when you go on a diet. That's the way it goes. So it's really about making healthy choices. And one of the most simple things to explain is breakfast. Do you go into the local coffee shop and get a donut or a muffin? Or do you have a hard-boiled egg and a multigrain piece of bread? It's that simple. And I think that understanding that every little choice you make is a choice for that moment. If you mess up, who cares? You have another meal to put something healthier in your mouth. It's not all or nothing. I absolutely love thin crusted, crunchy pizza. I mean, it's like heaven on earth to me. I will. I am the person that will always have a slice of pizza every so often. And you can do that. It's just about the routine and regularity and what goes on your body in your body on a daily basis, that's what matters most, not the times that you quote-unquote cheat. It's the lifestyle you choose to lead. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I'm laughing because ever since this heart attack, I give Bob the Mediterranean diet, you know, the beans, legumes, vegetables, lean meat, everything we talked about. And other than an occasional impulse to become a rug salesman, he seems to be doing very well. (laughs) You're very, very good, I have to say. And he yeah, has he really come beans. to like it. He's proud of himself, too. Very, very, very proud of himself. He is. And then, you know, which brings us to the next um, topic, which would be exercise. And I always say, you know, there's never such a thing as being too booked up to exercise. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. You can spend a half hour of that 24 hours doing something fitness-wise. Right. And how many excuses do you hear? Like, I don't have time or I can't or so how important is exercise for heart health? Exercise is by far the best medication more than any drug that I could prescribe. Exercise is does everything. It decreases blood pressure, decreases heart rate. It keeps your weight down. It dilates your arteries. It makes you feel better. It keeps your bones strong. I mean, it does everything. But for the heart, it maintains the vitality of that muscle. We know that exercise works muscles, and it does that for the heart, as well as dilating the arteries and keeping everything working perfectly. 
I will tell you that exercise does not mean that you have to go to a gym. It does not mean you have to own extra special pretty clothes to do it. It means that you have to get your heart rate up and you have to sweat a little and you have to be a little bit short of breath. But all of these things that we put in our minds about what it means to exercise is not the case. When I first had my son, I actually didn't have time to go to the gym. So I used to put on music and just dance around with him and just sweat and have fun and laugh. And we would do that for 30 minutes every single day because it was so important for me to exercise and it was so important for me to be with my son. And so you can figure it out. It just takes a little creativity sometimes, but all of us have time to figure it out. Yeah, as you said, even a half hour makes a big difference if you get your heart heart rate up. Now, we're going to come to a big, big topic here, uh, stress management, which, um, you know, we all know that stress isn't good for us, but, but that's easier said than done to say, okay, no more stress. How do we deal with stress that, so it doesn't give you a heart attack <laughs> or worse? I think stress has been so underrated, and another one, I've been giving all these lectures and the things that I keep saying in these lectures, we knew at one point smoking was the worst thing that we could possibly do. I think everyone's got that message right now. And now I keep saying stress is like the new smoking. Everyone needs to get the message. It is so bad for us. But it's not like we are ever going to be able to stop stress. We're just not. And it's not a new phenomenon. Some things... Some people think it's getting worse, but it's been going on forever. And the issue becomes, how do you deal with it? It's not about one day a week saying, okay, I have to go see a movie. It's more about having a daily routine practice, whatever that is. For some people, it's yoga. For some people, it's meditation, exercise. But there needs to be some way that every single day your stress is managed, One of the things I've been talking a lot about is transcendental meditation. There was a scientific statement that was released by the American Heart Association that a daily practice of meditation, of TM, can reduce the incidence of heart disease and stroke by as much as 48%. And in thinking about that, why is that? How is that possible? And again, it goes back to the issue of dilating the arteries, lowering the heart rate, lowering the blood pressure, And doing a practice that can actually make this effect last longer than for the moment you're doing it. So, for example, if you're completely stressed out and you take big, deep breaths in and out, it actually does that in the moment. It decreases your heart rate and your blood pressure. And finding something that you can do that makes your body have the ability to tap into that throughout the day is one of the best ways to minimize stress. But it has to be something incorporated in your life. Even as you say, just breathing. I mean, learning to breathe. Just breathe. How many of us breathe? I mean, we breathe a shallow breath, so you have to breathe deeply into your stomach like a like a baby breathing that big you know the in and out of their stomach and and, but the shallow breath is it it just and 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 if you don't I found if you don't get a handle on your stress it can lead to anxiety attacks and of course knowing me you'd know that I definitely think I'm having a heart attack (laughs) so you got to prevent that you have to prevent that so that's really really important now as you know um all the nagging in the world did do, do nothing when Bob didn't want to do it. And I spoke to, actually, I did a, a column on, on your advice about this. How do you get a spouse, a friend, a, you know, a, a partner uh, to, to, without nagging? Because they don't listen. You know, as you said, if, like with Bob, he thinks of his mother. He's not going to listen to me, right? Now, before, now, of course, he, he does <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But he listens to you. Um, so how do you do it? How do you get them to listen to you if you know they're stubborn? It can't come from you. It can't come from your spouse. It just never works. And it sets up this whole power struggle that turns into an awful nightmare and it never works out. And it really has to come from them in a lot of ways. 
it's it's so important. Bob and I, over the years, I mean, we've really gotten to know each other. And for him to understand, to really intimately understand the importance of some of the things that we've been talking about for years took a while. But now he's got it. It's part of him. And most people need to internalize it on their own terms or it doesn't really ever stick. But it has to come from a professional, either a doctor, a nutritionist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, I don't care who it comes from, but it can't be from the person closest to you. No, they turn off. They don't listen. And then it defeats the purpose. Exactly. So, but now I noticed, you know, you, you do know that he had memorized every single Cinnabon place on I-95. <laughs> I did not know that. Kids. Everything, every single one of them. And before this, you know, like last year, he'd say, oh, we have to stop and get gas. You know, oh, hmm, that's a Cinnabon stop. <laughs> oh, really? Ah, who knew? Oh, I didn't know that. So that it was, oh, I have to have a Cinnabon. But now this time we went, no Cinnabons. It was just like, no, I was like, Wow. And and I didn't even say anything because I think if I had said no Cinnabons, he would have said, well, I'm going to have a Cinnabon because <laughs> that's the way he reacts. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I didn't even have to say it. I think your voice is in the back of his head. Cinnabons <laughs> are the devil. <laughs> whatever it takes. Whatever, whatever it takes. So we have oh, a couple minutes left, but let's talk very, very briefly about the Go Red for Women campaign. And then we'll go into a few of your lifestyle tips that you could leave our audience with. Go Red for Women started about 12 years ago, and it really started to teach women about the importance of women and heart disease and that it is her number one health threat. And it's been just the most amazing 12 years because what we're truly seeing is that women who are involved with Go Red really have made significant lifestyle changes. 90% have made at least one behavioral change. A third of the women involved have lost weight, 50% increased exercise. So it's been such a successful campaign, but more women need to understand what Go Red is, what women and heart disease is about, and that heart disease is truly her number one threat, and that 80% of the time it is preventable and there is something that she can do about it. That is wonderful advice. Now, I'm going to come, and I'm calling your office when, <laughs> when we get off. Please come. Please come. <laughs> I will. Are you sure? Are yes, you sure I'm sure. Know? I can take it, Jane. You can take it. <laughs> yes, well, you've taken it for so many years and now, but not, as, not with me as the patient. So the last tip to leave us is what is the most important thing you, you can leave uh, that I put on my refrigerator and we should put on our, our, our mirrors and in our car? What is the Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum most important tip to remember about our health? I think if you asked me this, maybe five years ago it would have been different, maybe even three years ago, but you know what? Today, my most important tip is never forget to laugh, that the more that we can let things kind of roll off our backs, that we can laugh at life and really be optimistic and happy, um, the more our hearts are healthy. And believe it or not, studies have shown that living with optimism and laughing and being surrounded by people that love you and that you love actually decreases your risk of heart disease. And when you do all those things, you want to be healthy. And the trickle-down effect is you eat better and you exercise. So my word for you today is laughing. And you can never be depressed when you're laughing, too. That's right. Really important. Well, thank you, Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum. Where can we find your book? You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, it's it's on online, all of those places. Um, there's a link from my website too, which is srsheart.com. And um, I thank you very much for having me today. It was always a pleasure. Check your emails, of course, <laughs> for any question of the day that might pop up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, my blood, <laughs> like my blood pressure. But you said something very interesting, too, and I'll, we'll just leave with this thought. And, and for a spouse, again, a partner, a friend, you have to take care of yourself being the caregiver because you don't want to get sick either. And I think a lot of times caregivers forget that their own health. And I think it's important for them to pay attention to that as well and not get caught up with the patient and obviously his, her issues, which are important, but that's stressful for the caregiver. So I think you have to take time and really take care 
of yourself too. Absolutely. Never forget that. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. Correct. So Bob, if you're listening, I will be taking care of myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, I know you're bragging right. So, but maybe we should talk about how many pounds I lifted in the gym today. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely should. We should, we should. Everyone, that's our show. Thank you again, Dr. Steinbaum. Thank you, Lori, as always. And thank all of you for listening. This is Jane Wolfens-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.